Hello everyone and welcome back to Quick Save, UMKC's show about news in the video game industry. I'm your host, Brett Landreth. So if you remember last week, I talked about how this week I will be covering the Nintendo E3 direct press conference video thing that they kind of had set up for E3. Um, so, you know, that did happen, and there's quite a bit of news to come out of it. Uh, but first, I do want to start off with, if you remember two weeks ago, I talked about this leak that happened. Uh, there were nine games that were going to have standees at Nintendo, and they were leaked. Um, and all these turned out to be true. Uh, the the new game, Overcooked 2, was announced. Uh, Killer Queen Black, the port of the 10-player arcade-only game, coming to the Switch. Dragon Ball Fighters, Fortnite, Paladins, uh, pretty much, you know, pretty standard stuff. They ended up showing that in a bit of a sizzle reel during their presentation. And so, I want to cover that a little bit and say that, hey, yeah, that leak was totally true. Now to kind of get into their presentation itself, it was about 45 minutes, and they started off with a brand new game reveal, a game called Damon X Machina, uh, kind of reminiscent of Deus Ex Machina, or uh, Latin for God of the Machine, and also meaning a contrived plot device most of the time. Uh, Damon X Machina is a mecha combat game coming to the Nintendo Switch. Some things to note are some of the developers working on it. One of the former producers of Armored Core, a series developed by From Software, the Dark Soul devs, that is basically a mecha combat game. Uh, one of the mech designers from said series is also working on it. Uh, the character designer for Fire Emblem Awakening and Fire Emblem Fates. And what else did he do? No More Heroes 1 and 2 as well is working on this. Uh, it seems to be a pretty all-star cast. Uh, the gameplay looks really interesting. Part of the flying sections reminded me a lot of the Wii U game, Xenoblade Chronicles X, a game that I personally enjoy a whole lot. And it just looks like a pretty good, you know, mecha combat game. And after their E3 showing, their E3 direct, whatever the hell you want to call it, they go into their Treehouse live stream where they get to show off some gameplay of stuff. And they showed off gameplay of this game. Uh, with one of the producers there. It has things like character customization, customize the look of your characters. It seems to be pretty pretty in-depth, not... Like, you know, you have things like, obviously, like hair and eye color and face shape, etc. You can also customize your mechs with different parts, different armor, different colors. It will have some sort of online multiplayer... And it looks like a ton of fun. Uh, don't really have a release date, but I'm personally looking forward to this one. And right after Damon X Machina, they, they announced the next Fire Emblem game. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, so not much is known about this game. Kind of look at it, and there, there are elements of the 3DS Fire Emblem games, because the last, oh, what is it, three Fire Emblem games released on the Nintendo 3DS... Uh, it looks like a classic Fire Emblem game, you know, this kind of, like, grid-based strategy RPG gameplay uh, with some, you know, some enhancements. Uh, when you your units attack, they have, like, a little group of army men that follow them and kind of attack with them, and so do the enemy units. It kind of makes the battles look a lot more dynamic, and rather than just kind of, you know, two people get next to each other and kind of just punch each other for a bit. Uh, 
some other stuff about it, you know, like, not much was shown, just a, just a bit of a sizzle reel of some gameplay. It looks interesting, I'm, uh, I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm, I'm kind of excited for it, I'm, I'm sort of into the Fire Emblem games, not too much, but, you know, having that RPG on the Switch, that might be pretty cool. It's coming out next spring, 2019. And uh, some kind of news came out around that as to who will be doing the sort of translation work on it. There is a studio called 8-4, who their whole thing is like they do video game localizations. They're based in Japan, and they did ones for Fire Emblem Awakening and Fire Emblem Echoes. Uh... Fire Emblem Awakening being the first 3DS one, and Echoes being the last game that was just released. Uh, They confirmed that they are not working on the game, which I've talked with some of my friends who are Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, uh, Fire Emblem fans to ask them kind of their opinion on this, and they think it might be handled internally at Nintendo again, which was the case for Fire Emblem Fates. And after kind of querying them about, you know, did they do a good job on that Fire Emblem game? A lot of them said, no, not really. There were things like uh, conversations being completely changed, having weird meme jokes in the script, uh, completely changing character personalities, and also delaying the game by like, oh, this was like nine months. So I'm not quite sure what to think about that. Uh, I guess we'll see with the coming months on who was really working on this game. Maybe it's an internal team at Nintendo, although from what I understand, their internal translation house, I guess you want to call it, the Nintendo Treehouse has gone over restructuring within the last few months. I remember kind of hearing some stuff about that. So who knows? Maybe it will end up being pretty good. And so, you know, uh, kind of big thing, Fortnite, like I said, was on the Nintendo Switch. And uh, Fortnite was available as soon as their press conference ended, which was pretty nice. I have not played it on the Nintendo Switch yet, but I do have it downloaded. What is interesting, however, is headset support. This is a huge controversy with Nintendo, and, you know, because their whole headset solution is you, like, you download the Switch app, and then you can talk with your friends through the Switch app while you're, like, on your phone, while playing the game, and people are like, this is just really convoluted, but Fortnite, from what I understand, is the first game to just allow you to, like, plug in headphones that have a microphone into that headphone jack, and just kind of go for it, it's weird, there's some footage of people playing with voice chat, it's kind of a strange feature, I don't know why Nintendo would lock behind, like, voice chat and Splatoon, uh, behind this app but then again that might also be to you know kind of protect children from people just you know cursing and saying a lot of bad stuff online who knows in my experience children are the ones saying that stuff who really knows um octopath traveler got a new demo this uh square enix rpg that kind of harkens back to the the glory days of japanese role-playing games kind of very reminiscent of things like final fantasy 4 and final fantasy 6 or Final Fantasy 2 and 3, as you might also remember them as. Um, it got a brand new demo. It lets you play for three hours. You can pick any of the eight characters, and your progress carries over to the full game, which releases next month. And a kind of a new story that came out 
uh, within the last few days, they said they said that the game will not have any DLC because the game is complete. I don't know if you know maybe they're just kind of like talking about their game, or if they're also kind of throwing a little bit of shade at the games industry and how a lot of companies feel the need to chop off parts of their games and sell it to you to make more money. So after that, uh, they talked about Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. If you remember, I was I wasn't too hot on this announcement. I I'm not the biggest fan of Pokemon Go. Uh, reveal that, hey, you have to use motion controls to capture Pokemon. And the Pokeball Plus, I forget if I talked about this, it is a controller that is a Pokeball on the part that you use to open the Pokeball is an analog stick, and then it has two little buttons on the underside. And this Joy-Con accessory will let you get the legendary rare Pokemon Mew, you know, instead of getting it from behind the truck in the original Pokemon games, you have to get it from the, the delivery truck. That was a bad joke. I'm moving on. Super Mario Party was the next thing they announced. Um, Mario Party looks better than 9 and 10 because those games had the whole mechanic where you're sitting in a car and they were boring and not fun. And Super Mario Party just looks like more classic Mario Party stuff. It has online modes, Nintendo confirmed. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I love Mario Party and how it kind of turns friends against each other. So I'm really interested in that. Uh, the last thing they showed before their main course is the DLC story for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a game that I played last year. I'm still playing it. I have like over 150 hours in it and probably one. It's the reason why I bought my Switch. It's one of my favorite games of last year. It is utterly fantastic. And... So, you know, I, I'm really excited for this story DLC. Within the game, they talk about events that happened sort of like 500 years prior, and that is where this story takes place. And after the, uh, you know, after in their live stream, Nintendo Treehouse Live at E3 playing thing, uh, they did play a bit of the DLC. There's some meaningful gameplay changes. Um... They've simplified a lot of the systems because obviously this is a story mode. They're going to be selling it kind of separate for $40 as well. You know, kind of separate from all that. Um, and the game, like, you know, it's available through the $30 expansion pass that you can get for the base game or you can get the physical version. And uh, the gameplay stuff they made, you know, it seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, they've taken out the mechanic to get random... These things called blades, which are basically uh, these um, beings that let you use weapons in battle. That's completely gone, and now you kind of switch between, you know, the human and the blade and in combat. Uh, no confirmation on how long it's going to be, but after looking at the footage and how fast you level up, people determine it's probably only going to be around 20 to 25 hours for the main story maybe 40 if you want to be a completionist so while it is a far cry from the 150 hours i've put into the main game game and i'm still not done with everything uh it is pretty exciting so that'll be launching um it's gonna have new music it's gonna have new side quests obviously like voice acting cutscenes, all that jazz uh launching in september which you know, that will be pretty interesting. I personally cannot wait to see that. 
And before I get into the main course of Nintendo's press conference, the announcement of the next Smash Brothers game, we're gonna take a quick break. Be right back. And welcome back to Quick Save. What you just heard was actually a song from the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 soundtrack called Still Move Forward, one of the game's battle themes. Figured it'd be a little bit appropriate considering the last story we talked about. So, Nintendo reserved 20 to 25 minutes to talk about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the next lineup in the Super Smash Bros. games. Uh, the original 
or not the original, the last Smash Brothers game came out uh, 2014. And this one is coming out this year, December 7th, 2018. There's a ton of information to go over. People were speculating, is the next Smash Brothers game a port? Is it a sequel? Is it an updated, like, remake port of Smash Brothers 4? And we have, I mean, we've essentially gotten confirmation that it's an entirely new game. They, uh, the developers have confirmed this, despite people still uh, saying that, hey, no, this game's a port. It's not a port. So, what does Super Smash Bros. Ultimate have? So, the biggest thing probably is that every single fighter that's ever been in the series is back. And I'm talking ever. So, uh, some people like um, Young Link and Pichu from Super Smash Bros. Melee. And Solid Snake from Brawl. That one is a very big one. People were very surprised about that. That, you know, Solid Snake is in the game, especially after, you know, Konami's whole thing with firing Kojima and kind of how they're treating the Metal Gear brand. It's very weird to see him back. And, of course, all of the DLC characters that were available in Smash Bros. 4. Ryu from Street Fighter, Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, Bayonetta from Bayonetta, and along with a couple new fighters, um, they have this new classification for fighters which, uh, fighters that use the same moves from another one. Uh, these are called Echo Fighters, so, in, like, Smash Brothers 4 is probably the best example. You have Pit, and then you have Dark Pit, where he basically has the same moves, but some of his moves are kind of slightly different. And then you have, uh, oh, what's her name again? Uh, Lucina and Marth, and how, like, they share the same moveset. So they, you know, Echo Fighters is their new term, and they announced a new one, who is Daisy from the Mario series. She is an Echo Fighter for Princess Peach, while also announcing two new characters. The first one, which was kind of given in a teaser trailer for the next Smash Brothers game a couple months ago, is the Inkling from Splatoon. And then also probably the, I don't want to say the dumbest choice uh something that is kind of strange though is ridley from metroid now if you're not very familiar ridley is this big kind of pterodactyl dinosaur looking monster from the metroid games he's a boss and this huge kind of joke around the smash brothers community is that oh they need to put ridley in smash they won't put ridley in smash because he's too big and now he's in Smash. It's weird. Uh, they did show off some gameplay of him, and it looks like they did kind of scale him down. He is one of the taller fighters. And so, you know, the tagline, everybody is here, is really rings true in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And their presentation kind of went over a lot of very small changes. This, you know, the kind of this is like, you know, surface level stuff that you would see. Things like how, oh, Cappy from Super Mario Odyssey is with Mario now, kind of in his moveset. Or how uh, uh, some other ones like, oh, the Wii Fit Trainer's face looks slightly different. Or like they just kind of tweak stuff here and there. They said that the amount of changes we have made to this game are in the tens of thousands. Uh, there are some stuff that, or there is some stuff that kind of 
adds more competitive play to the game, I guess you would say. Things like you can do like an air dodge and a couple other things, which, like I said, there's so many changes in this, it's kind of hard to go over all of them. And their presentation was kind of strange, too. really kind of lingered on a lot of these different changes. Things like how, oh, uh, Link now is wearing his Breath of the Wild outfit, and his bombs detonate remotely, which is, you know, a small change, and his final smash is completely different. Which final smashes seem to be very different this time around. So, in Smash 4, some final smashes would equate to a buff. These are all kind of like... I guess I would say cutscenes, or... Yeah, kind of like cutscene supers from other fighting games, you know. And, you know, they're just supposed to be a lot quicker, and... Really, like, it seems to just make the pace of the battle if you're playing with items go a lot faster. Uh, some new items also include the fake Smash Ball, which will explode whenever you try to break it. Uh, the main difference is that it is reversed from the normal Smash Ball. And kind of along with this, they also announced, hey, this thing will support GameCube controllers. You know, the controller that, in my opinion, I don't think the GameCube controller is all that great. I think it has a lot of problems, but... You know, it is here, and you they're going to be making new adapters, the same adapters they made for the Wii U, and they're also making new GameCube controllers. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, like I said, the game's launching December 7th of this year, 2018. It'll be exciting to kind of see what this is. They showed off some gameplay of it. A lot of big differences is that, you know, like there's so many visual improvements to it. Smash 4 on the Wii U, I, if I'm being completely honest, looks like someone kind of HD-ified Super Smash Bros. Brawl kind of just put it out there. This one, they've done so much more texture and lighting work. It looks beautiful. Uh, each stage now in Smash 4, each stage had like, you know, its normal form, kind of like little stage gimmicks, and something called an Omega form, which is just a flat battlefield for people to fight on. And now, uh, they've added something new. Each stage has a Battlefield form and an Omega form along with its normal one. Battlefield form just adds three little platforms for people to stand on on top. I guess a lot of people wanted that. I don't know, I mainly play on the normal stages. I think it's a little bit more fun. And that kind of caps off Nintendo's E3. It's a very... It's a very strange presentation. You know, you kind of think E3 is like, if you have something to show, you kind of want to show it here. And, you know, some things were just completely absent. Uh, the new Yoshi game wasn't there, which is really weird. The new Metroid Prime 4 wasn't there. Um, they Nintendo later out came and say that, hey, Metroid Prime 4 isn't here because, you know, it's not ready yet. And we don't want to keep teasing fans, which a little bit of kind of shade kind of thrown out there. But, yeah, they didn't talk about their online services supposed to be launching in, like, the next two or three months in September? Like, what What are you doing? You need to show off more of that online stuff to convince people to, you know, get it. Because when it comes out, no one's going to get it, or they're just going to be really confused as to why they need to buy something with that. A lot of people thought Smash was going to be launching in September. And, you know, because it would make sense, right? You launch your online service with your killer app. But that didn't end up happening, so we're kind of 
left with what we got. It's a really weird press conference, did not show a lot. So that kind of caps off E3. Um, we're going to go to a quick break, and then I want to come back. I'm going to talk kind of a mixture of news about stuff, and also I want to get go a bit more in-depth about gameplay demos that kind of came out of E3 and impressions that came out of them, and kind of probably go in a little bit more depth. So we'll be right back.
Hello and welcome back to Quick Save. I'm feeling a bit in a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 mode with that announcement of the story DLC. So what you just heard was a boss battle theme in the game called You Will Recall Our Names. Really good stuff. Alright, so like I said right before the music break, I'm going to talk a bit more about some of the stuff kind of shown off at E3. What are my impressions of them? Kind of go a bit more of a deep dive. Last week I was just trying to like, you know, go fast, kind of quickly get through some stuff. But... Now we're here. So, uh, first off, some news that kind of came out around E3 was with Steam. Uh, Steam is in a very weird place, and mainly it comes with accepting games on Steam. Steam is one of the largest game... It is probably the largest game purchasing platform that is out there right now. And that has kind of created a bit of problems with things like curation and etc., if you remember, a few years ago was something called Steam Greenlight. It was this thing where, hey, if you wanted your game on Steam, put it on there. People will vote for it, and you and you can, you know, uh, put it on Steam. This would, you know, result in people who want to kind of shovel their crap out there. These like just bad looking asset flips. Uh, they would just like buy bots and use the bots to spam yes we'll buy it on there so steam greenlight was a complete train wreck so what does valve do about a year ago last june in 2017 valve was like all right if you want to put your game on steam give us 100 bucks that's it and i don't know why they thought this would make it better because it didn't you look at the Steam store now, and there's just shovelware constantly. Cheap mobile games, even more asset flips. And recently, there was a big controversy about what games are allowed. So there is, um, there's this medium of games that are called visual novels. And the best way to kind of describe them is that they are... Well, it's very... If you just look at the name visual novel, it's basically a story that is mainly text-based that is enhanced with things like music and character art, backgrounds, sometimes voice acting. And there are people out there who are really passionate about them, who really love them. I've played a few. I think they're all right. I, I, I like them quite a bit. Well, there was this weird kind of like banning of visual novels on Steam that happened a few weeks ago. And people were so confused. Like uh, publishers of these visual novels were like why are games getting taken down you know like uh valve was saying a bunch of stuff it's like hey if if uh like if your games have any reference to sex or sex jokes take them out you like can't have this game on our store and it concerned a lot of you know fans of these games and the publishers themselves so you had websites like uh GOG, you know, good old games, uh, their whole thing with like, you know, DRM free games are like, hey, if you want to buy visual novels, come over here, go and come on over to good old GOG, we got them for you, which, you know, kind of spurred Valve to make a statement, and their statement was, if a game, a game can be on our store, if it is not trolling or hurtful, essentially, and this statement is, I think this statement is good. I think that the rules, like, hey, if your game is trolling or hurtful, it shouldn't be on there. That totally makes a ton of sense. 
A lot of people are kind of freaking out about it because it's like, oh, that's not enough. Because the problem with Valve, um, you know, the problem with Valve and just kind of Steam in general is that they don't want to do any human curation. It would take... For one, it would they'd have to hire a lot of people, which Valve has the money for. With 65 million worldwide users and taking a 30% cut of every single game that's put on their store. Totally. Like, they totally have enough. So, it's... It's really weird. It's a very weird statement to make. Um, now... The thing is, is that people are like, oh, what? You can just gonna straight upload, like, uh, porn to Valve? And it's like, no. Like, Valve still has a terms of service that you have to follow. And, yeah, it's... It's very, very strange, you know? It's a really, really weird statement to make. I don't know how to feel about it, really. I, I don't know. Um, so... Some other stuff kind of coming out of E3 is the game Cyberpunk 2077, the newest game from CD Projekt Red, makers of the Witcher series. Um, while they showed a CG a CG trailer at the end of Microsoft's press conference, they hosted an sort of in-depth gameplay demo for press. Like, it was behind closed doors. We got some impressions of that. Like, it is a first-person shooter kind of taking place in the cyberpunk world you know people augment their bodies all the time and this is based off of a tabletop rpg it's kind of like kind of in that same sort of universe and you know it's kind of raising some questions like oh what like you know what defines humanity like you can keep putting augments on you but when do you stop being human uh, press was really impressed with this gameplay demo, and I can't wait till we see more. It's probably going to be a few years off. A few years off, most likely. So some other gameplay demos that kind of going around, making the rounds. Spider-Man looks really good. Spider-Man on the PS4, made by Insomniac, makers of Ratchet & Clank. Uh, they did, yeah, they did Sunset Overdrive as well. Uh, that game looks good. It has good web swinging, which, you know, because the whole thing is that, like, when I was a kid, I played Spider-Man 2 for, like, the PlayStation 2, and it was really impressive how when you swung webs in that game, they didn't just go into the air, but, like, they attached themselves to buildings, and you, like, use momentum and swing around corners. Very cool. The just the movement and action in Spider-Man PS4 looks fantastic. Looks really good. Really, really impressive stuff. Um, Resident Evil 2 got a gameplay demo. The Resident Evil 2 remake. And RE Engine, the engine that is, you know, it was built for Resident Evil 7. It's also running Devil May Cry 5. And... Uh, Resident Evil remake, Resident Evil Two remake. Uh, it looks fa- it looks fantastic. It's 
they confirmed that there are no fixed camera angles or tank controls like the original game. That's kind of to be expected. And it's all over the shoulder, you know, and it looks completely gorgeous. Um, like, it looks very gross, too. Like, the zombies look grotesque, very fleshy and kind of dripping with blood. And there's a gameplay demo where they were shooting uh, the zombie and, like, it, like you know, parts of it would kind of, like, explode off. And it just looks super impressive and really atmospheric, too. Which is exciting. I haven't played Resident Evil 2, and maybe I, maybe I should. You know, that's launching in January. Uh, they talked a bit more about this game called The Tetris Effect. I forget if I talked about this last week. The Tetris Effect is... One, it was a study. They studied people who... You know, they would just play Tetris for multiple hours a day, and they would claim, like, seeing blocks, like, hours after playing... And they called it the Tetris Effect. Well, the Tetris Effect is a video game being made for PlayStation 4 with VR modes and everything. And it is being my uh, being made by the guy that made a little rhythm game called Res. So Res is this game created by a man named Tetsuya Mizuguchi. And it was this kind of, uh, how would I describe it? like a rail shooter, and it was a rhythm game. And his whole goal with creating this game was to create uh, synesthesia. And he would kind of do this by, um, you know, like the player, you create sounds and melodies that they target and destroy foes in the game, try to lead to a form of synesthesia, which... If you're curious as to what synesthesia is, it's this uh, phenomenon which simulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to automatic involuntary experiences in second sensory or cognitive pathway. And like it, it was, it's this game that came out on the Dreamcast and PS2 originally. It was kind of infamously, infamously sold with a vibrator because you felt like, oh, the vibrations of the game aren't enough. And so kind of, you know, kind of using that to help create that. And so his game designs are very interesting. He wants to make these rhythm games that kind of invoke something in you, like kind of something in your mind, basically. And the Tetris Effect is a hybrid Tetris and rhythm game. It, like, every time you move a block, it makes, like, a little sound. As you clear more lines, like, lyrics come in. It looks very interesting. Um, I am, like, totally looking forward to it. It, I like Tetris, and having a Tetris rhythm game, that seems pretty cool. Uh, the, the blocks, the playing field where the blocks are kind of seems pretty small. It's kind of far back. But tons of particle effects. It looks absolutely beautiful. Unfortunately, they did not show any more Death Stranding. I would have liked to see that. I still don't know what that game is. Is that game a delivery game? Or you play as a delivery boy who delivers stuff across a land with invisible smoke people and there are strands and you have a baby attached to you and the, the, the baby's also inside you. 
and the rain makes you age really fast. I don't... I need to stop thinking about that game. It's... I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll see actual gameplay tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Next year, I mean. I mean, in the sense of the internet, I mean, it's basically tomorrow. Time moves so freaking fast. Um... A little bit, they showed off uh, on one of the streams, Metal Wolf Chaos. More Metal Wolf Chaos. I like Metal Wolf Chaos a lot. <laughs> it's a very, very interesting game. You know, in the Mecha Combat game where you have to kill the vice president and you're, you're the president. With such amazing lines as, I'm going to smash this harder than a Florida recount. That... That game's very dated. Um, showed off a live stream where they're kind of, you know, talking about it. Talking about the development of the game and kind of how this kind of came to be. As it turns out, the reason why, the big reason why the game is being made is because of there is a Let's Play group on YouTube who did a Let's Play of it and it kind of stirred up some interest for it. And so people are like, yeah, let's see if we can get this done. And it's really cool. I, I can't wait for that game. Um... The porting company, from what I understand, hasn't done much. So hopefully that is not a bad sign. Hoping not. Let's see, some other stuff. Kind of talking about coming out of E3. It's kind of crazy stuff having E3. It was very, a very weird conference. A lot of stuff got leaked via Walmart, Canada. And, you know, that's pretty unfortunate. Um, yeah, you know, uh, so Skyrim, right? So Skyrim is this huge game. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, so there is uh, there was a joke kind of made at uh, Bethesda's E3 conference about how it's, you know, because, like, it's this whole big joke. It's like, oh, we're going to... Uh, we're going to port Skyrim to everything, you know. You're going to play Skyrim on your toaster. And they had a trailer for Skyrim Very Special Edition, which was a game you play with your Alexa. And had a... And it was it was pretty funny. Turns out that is a real thing that you can do go download for your Alexa right now. And it's basically a text adventure. I enjoy the fact that they put so much work into a joke. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so we're going to take another quick break. And after that, we will be right back.
Hello, welcome back to Quick Save. What you just heard was some gameplay audio from the Tetris Effect. Uh, kind of some cool music. Uh, don't know how well that plays up on audio though. Uh, if you kind of heard like little sound effects, that was every time you know you turn a block and then you slam it back down, you kind of get that whoosh effect. It's it's pretty cool. So let's talk about some more news. Um, beyond Good and Evil 2, that kind of bizarre prequel to Beyond Good and Evil, which was kind of this cartoony platformer that was released on, you know, kind of back on, uh, oh, what was it, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox, I think? I remember playing it on the GameCube a bit. Um, that is aiming to hit at the end of 2019. You know, for a game where we haven't really seen that much gameplay, we don't even know our main character who we're playing as. That's really weird. I. So what also happened with this game is, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this, is um, there was, they partnered with a company. Uh, what is ba The whole idea is that, hey, if you want your art in the game, you know, you want to make some art for the game, uh totally like you can do that you just take it here you submit it and then it could be in the game and it it's so weird because the whole because uh, they didn't announce any compensation for it right and so it's like 
it almost kind of seems like you're crowdsourcing a bunch of art because you don't want to make the art. I mean, you could do things like make art and music and... I don't... I don't know how to feel about that. It's... It's really weird. It's... I don't know how to feel about that. Because... It's so... Man, this... uh, It's... Beyond Good and Evil 2 is such a strange game, is what I'm trying to say here. It's... You know, the first Beyond Good and Evil was released in 2003. And, you know, the... The game ends on a cliffhanger, and Beyond Good and Evil 2 is a prequel, not a sequel, and it looks so different in tone. Like... They talk about this game being a space opera, and that's that's so strange. Like, why would you, like, what is this game? What is this game supposed to be? You know, like, it's been rumored to be in development since, like, 2007. Yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure about it. Targeting the end of 2019 might be possible. You know, this is a game being made by Ubisoft, and Ubisoft has, I think, quite literally hundreds of studios around the world. So, who knows what that's going to end up being even, man. It Maybe we'll actually see some real gameplay, not just a CG trailer, next year? I mean, you'd expect it if it's launching that year. So, uh, unfortunately... Some kind of sad news. Gravity Rush 2, the online servers are shutting down next month. Gravity Rush 2 is this game. Uh, it's exclusive to Sony platforms, and you control a girl named Cat, and she has gravity powers. She can manipulate gravity. like she, ch- she can change her center of gravity. So it's like, oh, you're walking on the floor, and now you're walking on the wall. It's this really charming game series that unfortunately doesn't get enough love, and... The servers are shutting down next month. It's really unfortunate because uh, it had some online components, things like leaderboards. There was this mechanic where you would hide a treasure chest and take a picture to be a hint, and it's like, oh, go find the chest. And then you would like, oh, you'd find some like cool little item to use, and it had some interactive stuff in it. Unfortunately, as the servers go down, you also lose access to some costumes. So... Uh, who knows, I really do hope that, hey, maybe they'll put out an update that's like, you can just go ahead and get these costumes whenever, because that'll be good for, you know, people who maybe haven't played the game yet. I know myself, I'm still working through the first game, and I haven't touched it in a little while, and it it would suck for someone to kind of lose access to that, you know? Bandai Namco confirmed a new Tales of game is in development. Uh, the series has been on a bit of a small break since the release of Tales of Berseria last year, and they didn't show anything about the new game. Not a logo, not a name, not a main character, nothing. And so I guess it's good to know what's in development. I'm hoping it uses a different game engine than the last few, because mm, um, that game engine that was used throughout the PS3 era was showing its age very poorly in the last game. Yeah, who knows what who knows what that ends up being? I'm not 
I'm not sure. Pokemon Go is finally adding friends list and trading. The game that is two years old. Yeah, I remember playing this like two years ago. And trading and friends list shouldn't have been in it within day one. It's very strange that it's only just now coming to it. But that might also have something to do with Pokemon Let's Go. Since those games are tied in with Pokemon Go. Yeah, so... Yeah, I guess, yeah. Like, I, I don't know anyone who's played that game. I don't. So, yeah. Uh, some more Cyberpunk 2077 news. CD Projekt Red is confident they can bring it to Australia. Uh, the only thing I have to say to them is, good luck. Australia is so strict with their ratings boards. Like, I think like some games just don't even come out in Australia because they're too violent and developers don't want to edit it at all. And, you know, kind of more impressions coming out of that Cyberpunk 2077 demo that we're kind of just getting word about. Uh, it's going to target current-gen consoles, but even though the game uh, build that was shown off at E3 was running on a PC with 32 gigabytes of RAM. Which, hmm. Yeah, who knows. And Sony also in the middle of some controversy with Fortnite... So some Switch players of Fortnite realized that, hey, if they connected their, uh, who publishes that? Unreal? Yeah, their uh, Epic Games account. That's what it was. It's made with Unreal. If they have their Epic Games account connected to PlayStation, a Sony platform, you can't connect it. You can't transfer all your items and stuff. Because Sony is still the only console manufacturer that does not allow crossplay. If you have a Switch, you can play with players who are playing on PC, Xbox, or on mobile, but Sony, nuh-uh. And Sony stock dipped a little bit because of it, which ultimately is like a drop in the bucket. It doesn't really mean all that much. Yeah, it it's such a dumb controversy. Like, Sony should just allow it to happen, but they don't want to. Their whole reasoning was, hey... There are plenty of people on PS4. It's like... And that's not a really good excuse. And Telltale is working on a Stranger Things game. Telltale, if they can change their game engine, can make a good game. So... Yeah, it's... Hopefully that ends up being good. And... Kingdom Hearts 3, there are more worlds to Kingdom Hearts 3 than that we've seen so far. You know, because like we've seen stuff like, uh, what is it, Tangled, Monsters, Inc., Frozen, Toy Story, Pirates of the Caribbean again. You know, so, hey, like there's still stuff that hasn't been shown off, so we'll see what that ends up being. And, you know, I think that was plenty of news, and I think that'll do it for this week's episode of QuickSave. So, as always, my name has been Brent Landreth. You've been listening to KRU, UMKC's student radio station. And if by any chance you're interested in, you know, doing something for the radio station, you're an aspiring DJ or radio personality, totally stop by the KRU offices in 
on the third floor of the student union and get signed up. So without further ado, my name is Brent Lanerth, and I'll see you next week.